Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Van Maren Show. Today we're going to be talking to a pro-life activist with an exceptional backstory. She's been mentioned in speeches by George W. Bush. The Archbishop of Canterbury and the Archbishop of Westminster have said that her story could impact the abortion debate. And Gianna Jessen is coming to tell us how she survived an abortion and the impact her story has had since she began telling it at the age of 14. That's coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. Today we're going to be talking to abortion survivor Gianna Jessen, who has a really exceptional story of surviving an abortion and then using her story to show people what abortion actually does to a preborn baby and to giving to give people a glimpse of the people that abortion takes from us. So without further introduction from me, here is my conversation with abortion survivor and pro-life activist Gianna Jessen. All right, well, I'll just start off by asking you to tell our listeners and our viewers a little bit about yourself. Okay. <laughs> My name is Gianna Jessen. I'm one of a kind. Uh, and I am adopted. I'm 42. I have, I just, I am alive just by the miraculous power of, of Christ. I uh, was born in an abortion clinic in Los Angeles. So uh, I actually survived an abortion, and a lot of times when people hear me say that, they think I'm saying that I survived actually having one, but right. to clarify, I actually was born through one, during one. Right. Um, my medical records state on them, born during saline abortion, which is pretty remarkable, uh, April 6, 1977, 6 a.m., 29 uh, and a half weeks, two and a half pounds. And one of my favorite pieces of information on those medical records are this. Uh, no resuscitation required upon arrival at the hospital. Now think about it. I mean, I was being burned alive in the womb by saline solution. It, it burns, blinds, suffocates a child, and then the baby is to be born dead within 24 hours. I was born 18 hours into that process. And there's no resuscitation required upon arrival at the hospital. Wow. And it's just beautiful. That's just beautiful to me. And I am, you'll hear me say this a lot. I am unashamedly a Christian. I am alive by the sheer power of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Some people are, whatever. We got a lot of people that are. That, that's okay. But how can I be embarrassed by the God who came and rescued me that day? I have cerebral palsy as a direct result of uh, the lack of oxygen to my brain while I was surviving this procedure. My enemies love to say, well, you know, you're such a liar. You're just such a liar. You're such a liar. I don't know why everyone talks like that now anyway. Right. <laughs> but they say that I'm a liar, even though I'm providing medical records for them to stare at. And I obviously have a disability for them to stare at. does not matter. Uh, 
because it, I don't, I, I mean, I defy their narrative uh, that, that, you know, there is no life in the womb. Plus, I'm a woman. Yeah, it doesn't help. No, that's cr- <laughs> no, no. And what's even more vexing to them is that I say this. I cannot be a radical feminist as defined by feminism today because, number one, I don't hate men. That seems to be a requirement. Number two, uh, I just, I'm too empowered to be a feminist. If you think about, I mean, I, I really meet a happy feminist. You have to believe that you are a victim of someone or something 24 hours a day and I am not. I'm too empowered in Christ. I am fabulous. And I don't need to put another human being down, men or a man, to make myself feel stronger. Right. And, and I know I am getting back to, to the story and all of that. But I just wanted to throw in here that vulnerability in women is not weakness. It's actually a fabulous, beautiful thing. And so I have no problem with the fact that I'm a woman and I have no problem with men. So that makes them even more irritated. But I do a lot of work overseas in Italy and I met a, a fabulous neonatologist named Dr. Noya. And I asked him some of the questions that my enemies you know, barrage me with, oh, you're lying because you don't have burns on your body. You're lying because you're not blind. You're lying, lying, lying. You're irrelevant. And uh, I said, Doc, why, uh, why, why is my skin not burned? And he said, my medical opinion is that the amniotic fluid was more powerful than the saline solution, and it protected you. He said, that is my medical opinion. Right. But both you but both you and I know it was Jesus. It was Jesus. Now this is a guy that does surgery in utero on Down syndrome children. So this is not some guy who doesn't know what he's doing and know what he's talking about. The other quick thing I wanted to mention so you can actually get in another question because I'm very polite that way. <laughs> and since you are running this interview, <laughs> uh, is, is that he said he said that um I have experienced the highest level of physical and emotional trauma that is humanly possible. He believes actually that it is very possible that my brain remembers this. And, you know, and I do have cerebral palsy and, and yet I was never supposed to hold up my head or get up out of a bed. And, and I train eight hours a week with a, with a Navy veteran who was a medic in the Navy who's teaching me how to climb a mountain. Because I'm trying to preach the gospel to all these people and they're not listening to me, so I figure if a handicapped woman is hanging off the side of a mountain, they might listen. (laughs) So let's back up a little bit for those who aren't familiar with all the details of your story. So um, what are the circumstances that led to the attempt on your life while you were in the womb, the injection of the saline solution into the amniotic sac where you were living? All I know is what we were told by 
social services because I'm adopted. I was in the system, all that stuff. And I know that my parents were 17 years old, my biological parents. Mm -hmm. She was seven and a half months pregnant that she went to Planned Parenthood who advised her to have this abortion. The abortion failed, obviously. And then I was born at the perfect moment in time because it was six in the morning, as I mentioned previously, and the abortionist wasn't at work yet. Had he been there, he would have ended my life with no problem by strangulation, suffocation, or leaving me there to die. But because he wasn't there, a nurse was there, and by the grace of God, she called an ambulance, had me transferred to a hospital, and saved my life. So then they said, you know, there's no way I would live. And then I just kept living, because I don't die. So maybe describe uh, for our listeners what actually is a saline abortion. Some people might not be clear as to what the details of that are. So what is the process of a saline abortion and what does a saline abortion do in almost every case uh, to the preborn child in the womb? Well, they inject a saline solution into the mother's womb. The baby is to then uh, gulp that solution it is to burn, blind, and suffocate the child. And then the baby is to be born dead within 24 hours. I've seen photographs of saline solution, uh, saline abortions where the babies, you can see the burns on their skin. Parts of their skin, it, it, it almost looks like it's it's charred black. And I've, I've heard one doctor say that the, the impact of saline solution on the skin of a baby is very similar uh, to napalm on, on, on a soldier in Vietnam. Some people might remember pictures and, and footage of what that looked like uh, during that conflict. So how is it that you survived? You said the doctor mentioned that it was the amniotic uh, solution that was stronger than the saline solution that was that was there. But at the same time, this doesn't happen very often, does it? Do you know of other people who have survived a saline abortion specifically? Yes, I know of one other, Melissa Odin. Right. She's been on the show. Yep, so she's one. Um, uh, I think her procedure was a little bit different. I mean, it's, it's the same, but it, hers went a little, a little bit differently than mine. Um, and uh, yes, so I do know. But uh, it is absolutely miraculous, as the, as the doctor was explaining, it is a miraculous thing that has occurred. I should be dead. I should, I, I, I mean, I should be blind. I should be laying in a bed. And, and that's another thing when I hear arrogant people talk about, you know, disabled people, we need to, disa- we need to uh, abort the child because the baby is disabled. I think to myself, what absolute arrogance. First of all, I had a horrendous prognosis. And when I hear them say further, Oh, but their quality of life is just going to be terrible. Nobody knows what your destiny is apart from Christ. And nobody can tell you how you are going to overcome. I, I am happier than most people I know with all of their capabilities who are whining about nothing every day. I mean, I, I, for the most part, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) so what was the next step? So you've explained that instead of dying in the womb as you were supposed to, you were born alive in this abortion clinic. 
And because there was a nurse there and the abortionist wasn't, your life was spared. What happened after that? Did your biological mother keep you for a while? Were you taken away right away and put into the system? How, how did it go after that? Basically, I needed, uh, she was not uh, fit to, to care for me. So I was uh, eventually placed into the, into the foster care system uh, with a bunch of morons. The first foster care uh, home, they were idiots. And they, they would put me in a room for a long period of time and shut the door. They didn't like me. Are you noticing a theme here? <laughs> <laughs> I've either been loved hated or misunderstood my entire life and that's okay but the lord was with me and he knew about these morons and he was going to get me out of there so by 17 months old i'm placed in another foster home of a woman by the name of penny who was extraordinary she adored me i adored her but at this time was when it was at this time that i was diagnosed with cerebral palsy uh, and to- she said, they said, you know, I would never be anything. I would never do anything, blah, blah, blah. I've also run two marathons, by the way, by running on my toes forever. Um, so uh, she took me in and she did my physical therapy three times a day and she prayed for me and uh, I began to hold up my head. Oh, well, she's just never going to, you know, sit up. I began to sit up. Well, she's just never going to crawl. I began to crawl. She's just never going to walk. I began to walk by the age of three and a half with a walker and with leg braces. Then I was adopted at that time by my foster mother's daughter, which made my foster mother Penny, my grandmother, which was fabulous. Oh, she, she saved me from becoming the most bitter, furious woman in the world. She was amazing. She died seven years ago. She was my favorite. She was 91. She had cared for 56 of us foster children as a single woman. She asked for the most disabled, of course, of which I was one. She asked for children that were drug addicted from the womb so she could take them through withdrawal. She did miracles with children. And I just, I will forever have a a debt of gratitude um, to her because, I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now if it were not for Benny. Did you, do you remember when you found out that you were an abortion survivor? Yes. It was very odd because my whole life has been super weird. But um, I, it was Christmas Day, actually. I went downstairs and I, I asked my adoptive mother, you know, why, why do I have cerebral palsy? And she always gave me one of, one of two answers. I was 12 at this time. Um, you know, because you were a premature baby or because you had a traumatic birth. And I was never satisfied with that answer for some reason. So I asked her again, why do I have cerebral palsy? Why, why do I have this? And this day she said, do you really want to know? And I said, yes. Now, for those of you that aren't, Christians, this will make no sense. So just know it will make no sense. For those of you that are, it will. But at that moment, just before she told me, I looked at her and I said, I was aborted, right? And I had no clue a second before. But right then, right when I needed to know, 
the Lord just was preparing me, I believe, for this enormous amount of information for a 12-year-old. But you've got to think about how by 12, I had been through hell. I mean, it was like, it was almost, my, re my reaction actually was, well, at least I have cerebral palsy for an interesting reason. And then I just went away. It was like I, I probably wasn't comprehending it fully. Uh, but I had been through so much by 12 that it was, like, it was almost as if I thought, what's something else? And uh, that's when I found out. So how did you know what abortion was? I grew up in a pro-life house. And so it was so just I disgust, knew. And that's how you knew what it was. Mm -hmm. So first, that's your initial reaction. When did it really start to sink in? Can't really answer that. It just did. I just, I just, but I didn't feel, uh, you know, this giant amount of rejection. I didn't go into some depression. Again, I, I am used to adversity. I am used to difficulties in life, and especially by 12. And I just, maybe I even more marveled at the power of God. I mean, I was a Christian even then. And the fact that he would rescue me. You know, it, it, I just didn't, I'm just trying to explain that I didn't have this meltdown freak out um i think it was just the grace of god uh knowing that it it was coming knowing when it would and he just carried me through it and uh that's how that went so do you remember the first time you ever told your story yep i was 14 years old in a mexican food restaurant in front of 10 people super weird and uh i didn't ever sat down and thought let me be a motivational speaker now. Let me find a speaker's bureau. What can I do? How can I get my face everywhere? Never. I never have in my life <laughs> tried to orchestrate this. In fact, one of my strong core beliefs is that I am not to manipulate and control my way through life. If I ask God to open a door for me, he's much more fabulous at it than if I manipulate my way through it even though that's the exact opposite advice we get it through society, by society, from society. Um, and I end up in the most wild of places, uh, I think, as a result of that. But, um, yeah, a family friend of ours asked my adoptive mother if I would like to share. So these 10 people show up, and I didn't realize that a newspaper reporter was in that audience. And then, so this was like a pro-life event at a Mexican restaurant or whatever? <laughs> yeah, okay. with 10 okay. people. I know, super weird. I love Mexican food, though. It's one of my favorite foods. But, you know, I'm 14. No idea what I'm doing, but I was just spoke from the heart, as I still do. And, uh, and a newspaper reporter was there and put the story in the Orange County Register, and that went all over the world. And uh, I've traveled from that point on. So about 30 years. So from the age of 14, so what happened after that? This article gets published and then what people just start contacting you. Yeah. And they're asking you to tell your story everywhere. Mm hmm. So what were those next few years like? Crazy. They were crazy. I mean, it was nuts to be that young. Look, you know, looking back, I was way too young. Uh, to, I had no business sort of, 
doing that in my opinion. Uh, and yet God has had a plan for my life. So, uh, yeah, very unconventional, sir. Very. But you know, one thing that keeps coming to my mind that I really want to mention, uh, at least before the interview is over is I understand that there are going to be people listening to this that have had abortions that are just either they've had abortions or there are men that are watching that encourage them in their history or, or paid for them or whatever the case may be people watching that have it in their history. And Oh my goodness. I'm always thinking of them and how they need to know that I am not sitting here angry with them or against them. I have forgiven my own biological mother and told her so. And I can tell you that after I finish this thought, but I just, I just want to speak to the person or people that are listening that have had many, maybe multiple abortions or whatever, and you're tormented. And the only person I've ever met that can ever free anyone from the thing they can't forget is Jesus. So I know it's a super uh, untrendy word, but you got to give him that abortion. You've got to give him that sin and, and repent, and he will free you. But I have never known any other person that can do such a monumental thing as free us. And I, I just don't want anybody listening and just going, just not being able to get out of bed tomorrow because they feel so condemned. No, 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 no. That is not God's plan for you. His plan is to free you. And so if you want me to, I can go segue into how I forgave my biological mother. Yeah. 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 Tell us that story. So it was crazy. Uh, I'm sensing a theme. (laughs) And also I do want to say before we go that I think having cerebral palsy in so many ways is so hilarious. And so marvelous. I would not take back the lessons that it has taught me for anything. It is, it is fascinating to have. So um, I am no victim. I, I really kind of enjoy all of the different uh, ways in which I can uh, navigate things. But anyway, yes. I was on an airplane one, one day, which I am quite frequently. And as a Christian, I believe that, that God speaks to us. And uh, he'll, he'll just kind of warn us about things. And, and in my heart, I felt this question. And I'm totally serious. And it was, Jonah, what would you do if your biological mother came to an event? Just showed up. And what would you say if she tried to interrupt it? And what would you do if she did this? And what would you do if she did that? Rapid fire questions. And I, and I thought, I thought, um, well, you know, I would do this and I would do that. So sure enough, two weeks later, it's a good thing I believe God speaks because uh, I'm doing an event, an all day event. And I, I was greeting people afterward, which I always do. And this woman comes up and she says, hi, I'm your mother. And immediately I remembered those questions on the plane. What would you do? How would you respond? And I just, I mean, it was, oh, it was, the only way I can describe it is this. 
as if the universe was crushing me. Like I, I, I could not, apart from Christ, I could not have born up under the weight of this. But I know that my battle has never been against her or any other human being. This is a spiritual battle. And so I just went silently in my heart, Jesus, 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 because I knew I need your help. Oh my gosh, I need your help me, Lord. Oh my gosh. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, you must need to know that I am a Christian and I forgive you. And she said, I don't want your forgiveness. And I said, ma'am, you must need to know that I am a Christian and I forgive you. I don't want your forgiveness. Your father is this and you are this and you are an embarrassment to this family. And right then I knew what I needed to do. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I'm a Christian and I forgive you, but I will no longer allow you to speak to me in this manner. And I got up and I walked out and then I sobbed for three hours. Uh, How did she find out where you were, that you were speaking at events? What brought her there to meet you? I don't, I mean, she had uh, an agenda and her agenda was that you, I'm going to meet you. She, my adopted mother had already met her years prior and said, you know, Gianna forgives you. She has no desire to meet with you, not out of anger, but just, she just isn't, she's not wanting to do that. So she, she did this completely disregarding my wishes. Um, and, uh, so that was that. Did you ever talk to her again? No. No. But see, the point is, I think part of the reason that she was so angry is that she could see she had no control. She could see I no longer belonged to her, but to Christ. So no matter what she said, she could have told me I was the devil himself. And as painful and difficult and intense as this situation was, she couldn't she could not convince me to be defined by where I come from. And we all have that choice. We can either choose to be defined by all the injustice and all of the, the terrible things that may or may not have happened in our lives, or we can be set free by Jesus. You've met a lot of very interesting people over your years telling your story. If you had to go back thinking of all the different, the pro-lifers, the politicians, of all the different people you've met, who are a couple, a couple of the people that stand out to you? You know, I'm really impressed by people that are not in the spotlight that don't have to make a YouTube video about every time they brush their teeth, you know, or every time, you know, I'm so incredible. I'm just so wonderful. Please look at me. My grandmother cared for 56 orphans and she didn't have to broadcast it. I've gotten to the point where now I have met some impressive, you know, quote famous people, but I've gotten to the point where I really don't want to meet people I admire 
because I find out that there's two of them. <laughs> there's, you know, and so I know I'm not really answering your question, but I've just found the people that are, that are ordinary, beautiful people, salt of the earth people that are, that are helping and will never know their names. I am more impressed with them than I am most famous people because they don't have the need to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I think that takes a whole lot more strength. So what has it been like telling your story in front of Congress and testifying in front of different legislatures? Because I've seen your testimony. I know Melissa Odin has done it. And I've always found there to be something really exceptional about an abortion survivor confronting people who are claiming that abortion doesn't kill a baby, that abortion is just a normal healthcare procedure. And to see people like you and Melissa and a few others is to actually glimpse face to face uh, the, the people that abortion has taken from us. What is that experience like? Always interesting. Um, they're always afraid that I'll say Jesus. <laughs> By they, you mean the people who get you to testify? I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people in the pro-life movement can't stand it. They just want to stay focused on the issue. Stay focused on the issue. We're going to offend people with Jesus. See, my Bible doesn't say, seek ye first the pro-life movement. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of these. And, and I like to say, if I do that, all of these children will be added unto me. If I keep my priorities straight, my mission is Jesus. Then everything else after that, because he upholds me. I can't even walk without Jesus. I mean, I have to, if you could understand how much I have to do just to balance every day, leaning on the strong arm of Jesus and watching him do it for me. Like, oh my gosh. But yeah, I go into these situations and I know there are places I'm not invited because of this. Um, and that's okay. Whatever. Uh, I, 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 when I go into these settings, though, there's this one, uh, congressional settings, there's this one guy. He loves to make a beeline for any hearing I am in and just, just, mock me with his face just absolutely mock me the entire time um then they love to dismiss me then they love to tell me it's not a religious service then they love to tell you know it, it's just but here's the thing i am called to be faithful it's not my responsibility for everybody to to respond the way in which I, I, I want them to. They're not, I, can't, I have no control over that. But it is my responsibility to proclaim the truth and to be faithful. And that's all I can do. But it's intense. It's intense every time. What do you think the impact of abortion survivors is on the conversation about abortion in the United States? I think it it opens people's eyes. I mean, that, that want their eyes to be opened. And then I, I find that for those that are, you know, currently against me or whatever, you know, not for me in any way, I find that if we can respond to them with truth, but to respond to them in the exact opposite way as they're coming at us, they can't help, but you know, they're trying to get a reaction. And when you don't give it, they can't forget that either. And it, I, I just, I, I do feel like there's, I mean, I've had um, 
people come up and, and say, by the grace of God over the years, you know, I, I didn't abort my child or I was pro-choice before and now I'm not. And, uh, and then also, uh, I think I have a little bit of a, uh, a unique piece in that I'm disabled and uh, I'm able to show other disabled people that we don't have to sit around and whine. We can, we can use what we have. We can, we can overcome. I'm just not into victim thinking, as you can tell. Yeah. Well, Gianna, if uh, our listeners and our viewers are interested in finding out more about your story, where can they find that? You know, I appreciate you asking me that. <laughs> That's really nice. <laughs> all my scheduling, all my booking, I'm not with agencies and all that. So everything, I'm all over Facebook and Twitter, of course, although Twitter is interesting. <laughs> to say the least. But I'm at giannajessen.com, G-I-A-N-N-A-J-E-S-S-E-N, not Jensen. Jensen, got it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and tell your story. Thank you for having me. You're super nice. Really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with abortion survivor and pro-life activist Gianna Jessen. If you want to check out more commentary or past podcasts, head over to LifeSiteNews.com where you can see uh, both other news articles, opinion columns. You can check out past episodes of The Van Maren Show and subscribe to catch more as they come out week by week. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you'll join us again next week.